coming on. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. You made it. It's half the battle. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. You can email Pete at the Pete Show.com. You can also hit me up on the Twitters at Pete Callender. You can find me on Facebook, too. I've got a group over there. It's a private group. And uh, there is a security question. So you can join the group if you would like as well. It's fun. Oh, no, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's called the Pete Callender Show. That's, yeah, so it's pretty easy. Like, once you know how to spell the last name, like, the whole world opens up to you. All right, Arizona, the audit of the Maricopa County election due today at, uh, what, 1 o'clock? I think that's Eastern time. Um, But KJZZ, KJZ, sorry, this is a terrible, these are terrible radio call letters. Terrible. KJZZ. Try to say that fast. It's an NPR station, I believe, because it's a .org website. So um, they apparently got an advanced copy of the results. A widely criticized GOP-led review of the 2020 election in Maricopa County concluded that Joe Biden actually got more votes for president than Donald Trump did. According to a draft copy of the findings obtained by KJZZ, a hand recount of the nearly 2.1 million ballots cast in Maricopa County hewed closely. That's how you definitely know it's a, it's an NPR station as they use the word hewed in their text. Uh, hewed closely to the official canvas of the results approved by the county leaders. In fact, the hand recount for Joe Biden exceeded the county's tally by 99 votes, and Trump actually got 261 fewer votes than the official results. So Biden increased his lead after the audit. (laughs) Well, not that they're taking this as the official recount, but um, this was the audit that was supposed to prove that there was fraud, there were problems, there was that, that, that Trump actually carried Maricopa County, but actually it looks like no He got fewer votes than the official tally actually gave him. Joe Biden actually got more votes. This, again, according to this audit done by the outside firm. So this is not the Board of Elections doing it. Randy Pullen, a spokesman for the election review, confirmed the validity of the draft. So now, by the way, in case you need to know what position to adopt, if you are of the left, you now love the audits of the election. Okay. I know, like, yesterday you hated them. Yesterday they were, like, literal insurgency, literal insurrectionist activity. It was literally undermining confidence in our democracy. Like, it was all of these terrible things. I think Nazis were in charge of them and fascists. But now, now that an NPR affiliate, again, I assume it's an NPR station because it's a .org, and I really didn't care to look up KJZZ, um, the, uh, the audit is now awesome. You love audits. What are you talking about? I've always loved the audits. I've wanted this audit from the beginning. There's a scheduled presentation in the Arizona Senate where the president, Karen Fan, and Senator Warren Peterson, the Republicans who issued subpoenas that obtained the ballots and voting materials needed for the investigation, they're giving the contractors they hired 
this opportunity to conduct the review, um, and they're going to give them now a platform uh, for their findings to release their findings. Uh, 1 p.m. Friday today, uh, that's the scheduled release. And again, this is according to this uh, this story, KJZZ. It doesn't say whether it's Eastern time or not, but if it's local out in Arizona, then it might actually be later this afternoon. So I don't know. I apologize for that. But the headline here is that the Arizona election audit that was put together by the Republicans, right? What was the name of the group? Something Ninjas? Like Data Ninja or Cyber Ninja. That's it. Cyber Ninja. And uh, they found no substantial differences between the hand count of the ballots provided and the official canvas results for the county. However, the draft report does raise concerns about the county's elections systems and record keeping. And it accuses Maricopa County officials of stonewalling their effort to perform a complete audit. Mr. Pullen says that other reports that will be presented in detail have not yet been leaked and that, quote, anomalies found in voting records are vast enough to cast doubt on the final vote count, despite the hand recounts confirmation of the result. So the hand recount hues closely or or seems to confirm that the the count was accurate to some extent. I mean, it it undercounted. Biden votes by like 99 and it overcounted Trump votes, which, by the way, like that's still a concern for me. That's still a concern to me. If like your if your job is to count something and you can't count it correctly, then really, why do we hire you to do the job? Right. Maybe we should hire somebody else to do this job. So this audit by this independent group that was brought in by the Republican state Senate, uh, they found very close uh, counts. Not exact, but very close counts to the official counts. But they, the, according to the spokesman, there are still some anomalies that are vast enough, he says, to cast down on the final vote count. I guess we'll find that out later. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, so... KJZZ, I did check it out during the break. It is, as I suspected, an NPR affiliate, although it's a it's a jazz station. They do smooth jazz. Um, because I like I don't understand what it is with NPR stations doing the jazz. I think it's really about signaling, but whatever. Um they got an advanced copy because obviously you would leak your advanced copy of the Republican audit to the local smooth jazz affiliate. Uh of the NPR uh, folks, you would, uh, you would t- totally do that. And so they, uh, they got an advanced copy somehow. And Randy Pullen, a spokesman for the election review confirmed the validity of the draft. You are now seeing, and you ever need a, a sort of a North star for left wing narratives. You want to check out a guy by the name of Rob Schofield. He's, he's North Carolina. And uh, he's over there at uh, NC Policy Watch and um, the Progressive Pulse. Uh, he, he he writes for all of those uh, left-wing organizations, part of the Blueprint NC crowd. And so Rob is always quick to, you know, regurgitate the, uh, uh, the talking points and the narratives that the left is advancing. And uh, so, like, they're framing all of this story right now as the audit finds Biden won by more votes than they thought, and no evidence of fraud. 
But the the draft that has been leaked doesn't actually prove no evidence of fraud. That doesn't actually prove. So then, of course, and I appreciate you sending the email, Keith. I just, or uh, sorry, Matt. Um, Matt sent me a link to a Gateway Pundit story, which, just for the record, before you send me Gateway Pundit stuff, I don't read Gateway Pundit. Gateway Pundit is not a credible website. I'm sorry if that offends people, but in my opinion, I don't use them because years ago they proved themselves to be incapable of deciphering truth from narrative just from the right. And so I don't care to give them my click, you know? I, it's just that you you are free. Look, I am a live and let live kind of guy. You are free to go to the website. You are free to read it. I do not. I'm not persuaded by it. If you send me a Gateway Pundit link, 99% of the time I will not even click it. Um, and generally I just reject anything. I'll, I will wait to see it someplace else. And by the way, I have sources that I look at. I have websites that I look at that you may feel are not credible too. That's okay. We don't have to agree. And I'm not going to attack people for reading Gateway Pundit. I'm not going to say that they're morons or anything like that. Um, you just, you found a site that you like. That's fine. I disagree with with uh, uh, how they frame stuff. And so I don't read it. And I used to, by the way. Like when Jim Hoff first set it up, I, I used to read Gateway Pundit. I don't any longer. So, and I haven't for a very, like probably a decade. So, um, but I will say this, Matt, I clicked your Gateway Pundit link to see how the coverage was looking. And I was not disabused of my prior opinion. <laughs> so uh, they're keying on the second part of the story, which, by the way, KJZZ, who has its own has its own narrative, it's advancing, right? Like this, it's giving the impression that oh, look, these are the numbers, and so Biden actually won. So the audit proved there was no fraud, which is what Rob Schofield helpfully carries the water for that position. This report does not actually prove there was no fraud. It just proves that the cyber ninjas came to roughly the same count as the Maricopa Board of Elections, right? That they all came to the same count. And uh, although they didn't, the cyber ninjas, their count was off from the Board of Elections. And I don't know which one is correct. And the report isn't out yet. But the first telling of the story goes to NPR and goes to the left. They're getting to write the initial version. And so now you've got websites like Gateway Pundit that's trying to play defense on what the audit is going to show, but Gateway Pundit doesn't have the audit results yet. They don't have the rest of the report. All KJZZ got was this count, that part of the report. There are other parts, which I mentioned, because they quote Randy Pullen. So, like, folks at Gateway Pundit are like, oh, they're trying to twist this all. And I agree there were people on the left, like Rob Schofield, that are trying to twist it. However, Randy Pullen is quoted and said, other reports will be presented in detail. They have not yet been leaked and that anomalies found in voting records are vast enough to cast doubt on the final vote count, despite the hand recounts confirmation of the result. So they report that. Credit where it is due, right? They report that there are more uh, aspects to this report that are going to be released in the presentation and that the problems, these anomalies, cast doubt on the final vote count. So the final vote counts might align with what the Maricopa County Board of Elections found, but that doesn't mean that the people casting the votes um, were 
correctly casting the votes. Does that make sense? Right? If you had if you had a hundred thousand fake votes that all got counted, well, a recount and an audit of the count is still going to count them. Does that make sense? Right? You're still going to come to roughly the same count. The question is, did the people who vote, or I should say, did the ballots that you're counting actually get cast by people that were legitimately allowed to vote? Right? That's the, that's a second layer of the onion. Once again, we are presented with a story that is more nuanced and complex and therefore would require a little bit more circumspection, let's say, a little bit more examination. Let's take our time and let's read through the results before we pop off on what is and isn't so. I know it's a lot to ask in modern America, but I'm going to try. Oh, here's a really good point. Luke Thompson on the Twitter machine. Um, right, yeah, he writes for a national review. He says the ideological homogeneity. That is, okay, all right, just means the sameness. The ideological homogeneity inculcated by J schools, journalism schools, means that every single local columnist sounds like every national columnist. So why bother reading the local guys? Right? Rather than using proximity to take a distinct local angle, it's just DNC talking points with poorer prose. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the things that gets me about, um, like, the editorial page and these editorials that people write. Like, I, you got five people or four people. They sit around and they come up with an idea. They come up with a position that's, like, identical to, like, every other position of the left. And so, like, I can read better lefty writers, why would I need <laughs> why would I need four or five people writing this stuff? And yeah, at least look, hey, at least they're putting their names on it. At least the McClatchy board of editors, they're they're putting their names on it now. At least we get that. Um, because I'm old enough to remember when they wouldn't. So uh and some papers still don't. You're like they'll be like, Well, you know, you can find it uh, over on this page in the bottom where we list all of the employees of the management or whatever, and yeah, you gotta go hunt for it. Uh, and some organizations still don't do it, like uh, WRAL, for example, uh, up in Raleigh. They don't like they they have a uh, an editorial because, like, I guess we need to know what Jim Goodman thinks about stuff. Uh, he's a left wing funder of Blueprint NC related organizations. I got a pretty good idea. I know what he thinks about everything, um, and so it's all pro Democrat. So he went and hired literally a communications guy for two pre uh, previous Democratic governors guy by the name of Seth Efron, put him in charge of writing the editorials, and that's who is the mouthpiece now for Jim Goodman on the pages of WRAL's website. And he's never identified. They never say his name. They don't tell you who he is. They just say the following reflects the opinion of Capital Broadcast Company's ownership or whatever. But make no mistake, there's no crossover here with the news department. No, no, of course not. Nobody in the news department is influenced whatsoever by management's opinion about anything. Because that's Obviously true. Um, all right, let me get to this story because uh, I've got a couple pieces and I kind of stack them just for way, just by explanation. So I will work during the week and I will build, as Limbaugh would call it, right, the stack of stuff. And I will build a topic as things, you know, as because news, to find out what truly has occurred, you usually have to wait about 24 hours to start getting a better idea, right? This happens, you know this happens, like in mass shootings, perfect example of it, right? 
What's the within the first three hours or so, everybody is popped off on social media with the most ludicrous ideas, stuff that uh, and, and this is, by the way, now by design, you've got people that race to the scene while the bodies are still warm in order to stand on them and to promote a particular narrative. Right. Yes, I'm talking about the gun grabbers like this is what they do. And they try to create a narrative and have it calcify so it becomes the conventional wisdom after the fact, right? Then, you know, a year down the road and people think, oh, this is, you know, oh, that's the shooting that, you know, was carried out by that tea party or end actually, you know, it wasn't right. Like that's the purpose, the political purpose of what's going on. So I understand uh, there are actors that do that sort of thing, but there are so many in journalism that race to the scene and they just report rumor and innuendo and fake news. And they just, in their zeal to get it first, they don't get it right. So you usually have to wait a little while, do some research, wait on law enforcement to you know give you some uh, some more information about things so you can make a better idea. Now, if you want to race out and you know have some hot takes, fine, have at it. Um, but you better be willing to reassess and shift when information um, warrants it. And a great example of it is this Haitian. Uh, the 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 horse whip gate story down there at the border, like this photo, it's absolutely ridiculous. This story about the photo, and well, I guess. All right, hang on. I wasn't even going to get to this. I've got. I was telling. I started off talking about the process. I have a whole stack here about the uh, the Sussman indictment and Hillary Clinton. I'll get to it. I will get to it. Let me put the paper clip back onto it onto that stack. But I started talking about the whip gate story. So let me go ahead and bounce over there because the guy who um, started it all, the Whipgate stupidity, you know the story I'm talking about, right? Like the, the photo of the Border Patrol agent on the horse, and there's a guy with, like, takeout food or something in a plastic bag, and he's trying to run across the border, and the horse, the guy on the horse is like, oh, no, you don't. He's trying to block him, and he's got a really long rein I forget what it's. I forget what they're called. I'm not a horse guy. I'm not an equestrian uh, expert. I apologize, but you, you, they use the the reins, and they're really long, and they use them to direct the horse, to guide the horse, and they'll I say strike it, but they like they're they're touching it. They're they're you. It, it's a very light touch. It's not like it doesn't hurt the horse, and it's not like they're whipping the horse. But apparently, the kind of leather that they use it's what do they call it, split reins or something it's so light and that's the whole point it's just you you touch the horse on one side and it knows to turn one way and all that so that's what the guy on the horse is doing but the picture that is captured at that split second now creates an image and people then project upon this image an entire story right these are fabulists they're just making up stuff based on their own imagination, their own biases, prejudices, their own bigotry, and they project all of this onto this one image and then rely on that narrative, that story that they have concocted, to try to force policy direction. So the guy who started all of this dumbassery is a fellow by the name of Sawyer Hackett. Perfect name. (laughs) And he says... He was the one who said that, um, there's it. Uh, yeah, yeah, here is it. I'm trying to, pull, I'm trying to pull the original because he's now come out with another tweet, a clarifying tweet. He says, 
Border Patrol is mounted on horseback, rounding up Haitian refugees with whips. This is unfathomable cruelty towards people fleeing disaster and political ruin. The administration must stop this. Okay. And then he's got two pictures here, and, uh, like, it just shows the guys on the horseback in one of them, and then the other one, it's it's the, the picture where the guy's leaning over, and he's got the reins, and it's flowing down, and he's holding on to this guy's shirt, and the guy's, like, trying to pull away from him. And this is supposedly proof of the whipping. I guess they got older. Maybe they just ate. And now they're the fi- final cannibals. Yeah, or they ate each other. They're all dead. You never, I mean, like, really, if you couldn't see that coming. Um, so Blue Anon, I talk about Blue Anon because, uh, you know, the left likes to talk about QAnon all the time and, you know, uh, uh, besmirch all people on the right as if we're all QAnon believers or whatever. And um, I think it's kind of comical that folks on the left have their own uh, widespread, far-reaching conspiracy theories as well. But, see, they have the luxury of controlling a lot of our cultural institutions, and so their stupid theories are accepted as not crazy, not stupid. For example, on the Haitians at the border, they are convinced, I'm not kidding, Blue Anon is convinced that this was organized by Republicans, <laughs> right, that that GOP operatives have been funneling Haitians to the border to make Joe Biden look bad. This has been <laughs> this has been uh, I think it's Jason Miller is the guy that they're tagging with this operation or something. He's the one. Yeah, that's it. But actually, if you commit a random act of journalism down at the border, like the Daily Mail did, and you talk to a fellow by the name of Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies, you would find out what he found out and then conveyed to the Daily Mail that the thousands of Haitians who have turned up in Del Rio, Texas, they actually didn't migrate from Haiti at all. Well, I mean, at some point they did a long time ago. Years ago, they actually came from Haiti. And this has been, I have been asking this question since this whole thing first started. I don't understand how all of these Haitians made a 2,000-mile trek to America over the water. How did that happen? How did they make it from their Caribbean island out of destitution and poverty? How did they scrape together the funds that would allow them to make that kind of a voyage? And then when they made the voyage, why did they go down to Del Rio, Texas? Of all the places they could have landed, like you passed by, like from Haiti, like you could have just, you could have gone and just landed in Wilmington or something. Well, I mean, farther up the coast, so they don't find you, you know? You have the whole, that whole uh, uh, Gulf of Mexico area, you could have landed, you could have washed your boats up on any of those beaches. Why, why, why did you go all the way into Mexico? And to see the numbers that we saw, like this is obviously, there's something going on here, right? Well, Blue Anon came to the same conclusion, and they said it's the Republicans that have been doing it. Republicans apparently have been sending all the Haitians. Um, the thousands of Haitians who turned up there, they came out of Chile. I think it's how you pronounce that. Yeah, they've been in Chile. Chile, Chile, 
How do we say that now? Is there a proper pronunciation? Because we used to just call it chili when we were growing up. And then that's a, that became racist, I think. And so anyway, so I try to, like, I try to, I try to pronounce the words the way people want them pronounced. Chile. Anyway, uh, they've been granted asylum there and they were working there and they were living pretty comfortably there as refugees. Uh, sorry, evacuees. Refugee is racist. We're not allowed to say that word. Thank you, Hurricane Katrina. The dozens of Chilean identity cards that litter the ground in Ciudad Acuna, just across the Rio Grande from Del Rio, all bear distinctly non-Hispanic names, which I don't know about you, but this seems kind of a racisty thing to say in a news report. But they are not Hispanic-sounding names, like Prosper Philip. Like, that's not a, that's not a Hispanic, or sorry, a Latinx name. Is that what you guys are calling them now? Right? A closer look shows three telling letters, H, T, and I. H, T, I is on the card that is on the ground. And what does HTI mean on a Chilean identity card? It means they're from Haiti. These are the discarded ID cards of Haitians who have turned up in Del Rio by the thousands. Todd Bensman says he's not actually met any Haitian in Del Rio or Ciudad Acuna uh, who has come directly from their Caribbean island homeland. None of them. And he's been interviewed. He's got like dozens and dozens and dozens of people that he's interviewed. The majority of the Haitian migrants have come from Chile, the wealthiest country in Latin America. And then also Brazil. They're coming from Brazil, Chile and Brazil. That's where they're coming from. Brazil is the fifth wealthiest nation in Latin America. Or is that Latinx America? Latinx America? Uh, where they've been living in modest comfort in Santiago and Sao Paulo for the past five or six years. They've been down there. Yeah. Bensman says when Biden got into the White House, word went out and they decided we're going to go up now. That was the decision point. He says, I have interviewed 60 to 70 Haitians over the last year, and it's always the same story. Joe Biden opened the border, so we decided we could upgrade our lifestyle. (laughs) That was the choice. Chile. Is that Monica's telling me on the Twitter that uh, it's pronounced Chile. Le. L-E-H. Chile. Chile. It's kind of fun to say if you just keep saying it. Look, if you're in your car driving, you can do it. Like, just say Chile. Like, there's a world of possibilities here, really. Okay. The immigrants traveled up from South America on a path that took them through Colombia, Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, and Guatemala. Before landing in, by the way, I don't do that in mockery. I'm just saying, like, this is the way you're supposed to pronounce things in order to prove that you're not uh, a phobe of some kind. Right? And this goes back decades. I'm old enough to remember when they first started doing this thing. You have to pronounce it as they want it pronounced. Um, so, uh, or, and as it's pronounced in the native language. I think that's the, that's the rule. So uh, then they, uh, they, uh, they came from all of these different countries, but they've, they've been traveling up from South America before landing in a camp across the Mexican border in Tapachula. There they stayed at the behest of the Biden administration, who was pressuring Mexico to, let, uh, to not let them come further north. So Biden was telling Mexico, don't you let those Haitians 
come up any further. They've gone all the way from all of these Central American countries. You've let them go through your country. They're now camped out at the border. Do not let them come any further. And the reason for this is obviously that, yeah, Biden's a racist. Right, exactly. Like, that's ob. What? No, that's obviously, there's no other explanation. That's what I've been told. This is a disparate outcome. He's not telling them, like, if they were from Guatemala, he would not be telling them that. He would not be saying to Mexico, don't you let those Guatemalans in, right? He wouldn't be saying that to Mexico. But with the Haitians, he is. And I've been told by the preeminent anti-racism purveyors that disparate outcomes, any difference in an outcome, the, uh, the root cause of it is racism. And so Joe Biden and his administration, everybody in it, sorry, these are the rules. You're all racist. Sorry. I don't make the rules. I don't make them. I told you you're not going to like them when they're equally applied, though. I did warn you about that. Fair warning here. News is up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.